What's up, independent agents? Are you driving your clients off to the carrier self-servicing platforms after the sale just to minimize your service demand? Stop doing that with the premier mobile and web agency solution, Glovebox. Now you can keep your clients in front of your agency at all times, all while delivering the carrier self-service experience that will minimize your service costs and absolutely wow your customers. On top of that, Glovebox will help you increase your cross-sales, referrals, and overall retention with an easy-to-use policyholder interface. Trust me, guys, we're using this at Portal Insurance, and this is literally happening. We are selling policies and servicing policies through our app. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today, and be sure to mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your subscription for the life of your account. Guys, it's so cool that I can tell my clients, download the Portal app. Thanks, Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm currently fighting with my computer screen, but other than that, I'm good. Hey, Bradley Flowers, we have a lot to discuss today, and we have a fantastic guest. I want to get to him pretty quick here. Before we do, we have just wrapped up the One City World Tour, Denver, Colorado. Please tell me your thoughts, your summary of how you felt like that event went. Uh, I'm still decompressing. I had a small speaking engagement today and about 30 seconds in, I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to do this again. <laughs> it's, actually, back, back when I used to play golf, this would happen. I would be looking so forward and preparing for a tournament and then the tournament would be over and it's almost like this like wave of depression comes over and not in a really bad way, but just, you know, it's over with, but no, I thought it went great. No, you know, for it to be our first kind of like major event that we put on together, no big snafus or anything like that. Every speaker uh, more than delivered and every attendee I'm greatly appreciative of. I actually have a goal, Scott. Probably I'll probably do this tomorrow. I'm actually going to send a personalized video thank you message to every single attendee, or I'm going to try to, the ones that I can find. So if you're listening to this and I didn't send you one, don't get pissed off. But yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, you delivered as you always do. I'm, I'm thankful that I have Scott because I don't have to worry about being energetic. Well, I appreciate you saying that. My big takeaways from the event were the following. Number one, we've got a lot of great people in this industry. Of all the industries that you and I could have chosen to be a part of, whether it's just dumb luck, we stumbled into it. I, I, I don't really know. Maybe it was a God thing, but there are so many just great people in the insurance industry. And um, I'm humbled by that. I'm, I'm very blessed by that. My big takeaway was for this year, I've got to stop being so casual. Uh, I need to be more intentional. I need to be really, really getting after it. But And then I would say my third takeaway is um, a sense of pride. I, I very rarely am proud of myself in my life. And that just comes back to a lot of baggage that I go through lots of therapy with, but I very rarely am I ever, do I ever brush my teeth or drive down the road and feel a sense of pride in anything I do. 
But I think you and I and Ryan and Andy with Glovebox, and by the way, Insurance Guys podcast sponsored by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. Go get a demo today. I just felt a sense of pride more than anything else that we were able to pull that off and, and that it went as well as it did. Yeah, it was good. You know, I couldn't think of any anybody else I'd rather do it with than you and Andy and Ryan and uh, just to, for nothing else to provide something good for the industry. And Lord knows we didn't make money on it, but we didn't lose money either. <laughs> so that's always a plus. So. Guys, we've got a great podcast guest for you today. We're going to do our dead level best to help row that boat just a little bit closer to the lighthouse. You know, our mission on this podcast is to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to help insurance agents across the world be a better agency today, become a better agency than they were yesterday. And I feel very confident that our guest today and the conversation that we're going to have will help do that. Number one, he's scary smart. Number two, he's done a lot in the industry. Number three, he's just from everything I've heard and read, great person. And we're very proud to have him on. And without further ado, please allow me to give him the introduction he's always deserved. He is originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana, or parts around Fort Wayne, Indiana. He currently resides in Tampa, Florida. He is a graduate of Indiana University and has a Juris Doctorate from Indiana University's School of Law. After a successful career in both law and as a hedge fund manager, he became the chairman and chief investment officer for Heritage Insurance, a super regional property and casualty insurance carrier based out of Clearwater, Florida. In 2014, he became the chairman of the board and CEO. Today, as of January 2021, he became the founder and CEO of Slide Insurance, a Tampa-based personal lines insure tech company that uses AI and data science to help consumers buy and maintain the right insurance at the right price. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Bruce Lucas. How are you, Bruce? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. One introduction. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to have you on this show. I've been reading a lot about you today. Listen to Forbes episode, maybe that you were on. Am I, am I correct about right. that? Yep. I like a lot of what you said, but before we get started with all the questions that these insurance agents have put into my brain in the last five minutes that are just all gar garbled up in there right now. Go back, get in my DeLorean, and talk to us a little bit about how you got in the industry and bring us up to today. Yeah, that's uh, it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. It's funny, I never considered a career in insurance. I was a lawyer in a big international law firm. My, my claim to fame, Scott, is that I represented Enron in their Chapter 11 percent. That's about as far as away from insurance as you could possibly get. Uh, from there, I went on and I started a hedge fund in 2008 doing distressed energy with Cargill. Did that for a few years, had a great run, retired in my early 30s. Got bored, teamed up with some, some local guys around town who bought a bank. And I thought, oh, I'll go into banking. Now, I didn't like banking. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. So I started looking around for opportunities in 2012. And I was really drawn to the opportunity in Florida homeowners. 
And at that time, you had citizens insurance, which is the state-run insurer, had 1.5 million policies. They changed the rules. They let you come take whatever you wanted. It was an instant way to get a lot of top-line growth and, and pretty profitable business. And so I scratched together 60 million bucks, started Heritage Insurance. And uh, from there, we were, we were meteoric. It's quite a ride that we had. We went public 20 months after launching the company. Our initial investors made nine times their money in, in less than three years. You know, grew the company to 1.2 billion in annual premium in 15 states. And did that all the way through the end of last year and got bored again. And then so I decided I'm going to go do something brand new and started in tech, And that's how I got into slide. So a lot to unpack there. There's so much to unpack there. So much. First of all, let's just go back to the Enron saga. I I didn't say it. I knew you were going to go back to Enron. (laughs) I was like, Scott's going to be all over that. Was it just boredom and, you know, coming up with all the legal responses and sitting through court proceedings or, or, or was it sexy? Was it like, uh, you know, like, like this sexy thing to get to do that? What, what was that like? It was a bit like boring sexy. Yeah. And, you know, there were times where it was like watching paint dry and, you know, typical lawyer stuff and right. you're arguing with people and drafting briefs and motions, et cetera. And then there were times you're in deal mode and it's high octane and it's nonstop. And I had an office in Houston, New York, and London. And I would rotate between the three offices. And each of those three were different experiences. Right. You go to London, you go out with, uh, with the guys afterwards to the pub, you get a couple of pints, that's where they live. And then in the morning, you're negotiating a $500 million deal. You right. know, it's, it was a little bit of, you know, kind of like rock and roll over there. Yeah. And then Mo- that not really kind of Netflix movie type stuff in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing too, is like, I, I've read all the Enron books, of course, and seen the right. documentaries and it's like, I worked on some of those deals and I know the inside story and, right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's very fond memory, great people, really, really incredible people. There were a handful of people there that did some bad things. Right. But 99.9% of the people there were salt of the earth, honest to the core, hardworking. And, you know, they got a bum rap out of it. Well, there's you know, a, there's a, a guy I follow on Twitter. I'm trying to find his name, but he's kind of came on the scene here lately. And he is either the current owner or current founder of Chili's. Okay. And, and some of the stuff he posts is fascinating. But he posts something today uh, of his top four biggest business mistakes. And one of them was that he didn't short Enron. <laughs> Out of all the, all the mistakes, yeah, it went down pretty quick, Brad. It, it didn't last long once, once the crack started forming, the whole thing fell apart. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, Bruce, I've always said I can boil down Enron and Health South, which we're very familiar with here in Alabama. I can boil those things down into about uh, two words. Would you like to know what those two words are? I'm dying. I'm on the edge of my seat. Rationalizing and justifying. That's right. That's right. People start rationalizing and justifying. Watch out. Here it comes. We're about to have to lawyer up and go to London. (laughs) (laughs) I just boiled uh, probably $20 million in lawyer fees and uh, (laughs) – 
A lot of people losing billions of dollars down to two words. That's right. <laughs> Talk yeah. a little bit about you. You mentioned citizens and you mentioned Florida. We have a, a national listener base. A lot of agents listening to this have no idea. I love when I see an agent like posting an insurance group on Facebook, like, hey, I'm ready to go into Florida. How do I do that? I'm like, Psh. call Scott Howell. He can yeah. tell you how not to. Yeah, exactly. So talk a little bit about you, you alluded to citizens and taking over some of those policies. I can't remember the exact verbiage. Talk a little bit about that and, and that process. Yeah. So citizens is the state run insurer and a lot of states have them. They got one in Louisiana and they, they have a wind pool in Texas. It's not a novel concept. What is really novel about Florida citizens is that they're a market competitor when they're supposed to be the market of last resort. Mm. And so, you know, politics in Florida reigns supreme on all things, especially insurance. That's the most expensive insurance rates in the country right here. Alabama's not far behind, by the nope, way. Nope, we're right there. And, you know, so politics get involved. And next thing you know, they're, they're underwriting everybody. And it's not the market of last resort. It's the cheap option. And it, it works kind of like socialized insurance is the best way to put it. You get a cheap rate. You get kind of a bare bones policy. Not a lot of bells and whistles on it. And then, you know, when the wind blows, you're sitting in Tampa, somebody gets rocked with a hurricane in Miami, and then they go to you in Tampa and say, write a check for the guy in Miami. And so they have this assessment program, which agents hate, right? E&O risk and everything else, they hate it. But it just absolutely ballooned. And it ballooned because they became a market competitor on the one hand. And then there's just so much unchecked fraud here. And, you know, there's a lot of fraud back in the day. You had sinkhole fraud 15 years ago. You know, all of a sudden, everyone's got a sinkhole and you got to replace their house and you got to bail them out of their mortgage. And, you know, then they move into water fraud. Then they move into today. It's roof fraud. I heard today they're starting to move into pipes as a new way to get money out of the company. So those policies have to go somewhere as the private market is suffering. And that somewhere is citizens. And they have 1.5 million policies. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong on this. So if you and I wanted to start an insurance company, we could go into Florida and we could essentially take over a, a bundle of citizens policies. And those people would then get a letter and say, hey, now you're part of Bradley and Bruce's insurance company, essentially. Right. So you have these carriers that come in and take these over. Talk a little bit about that process, because that's yeah. that's something I think other this, states aren't as familiar with. This blow, by the way, everybody that's listening to this, this blows my mind. Go ahead, Bruce. It's almost like the assigned risk pool with workers comp, kind of. Yeah. Sort of, but you get to cherry pick the policies. Correct. Yeah. So you get the underwriting file. You get the loss file. So if they filed any claims, you know what's in there. You get to model them in advance. And 10 years ago, the system was really easy. You send them a letter. They toss the letter in the garbage. They're a customer of yours. It's all it took. It was a negative notice. So, you know, you send out these notices and it gets mixed in with everybody's junk mail in the trash can it goes. Next thing you know, you've got 200,000 customers. And you, you take it over midterm. You pay nothing for it. And the economics of that takeout is, is a business in and of itself. In our line, the number one expense we have is reinsurance, right? That's the reinsurance is everything. We, 
we're a finger in the tropics. Is that 60% of gross revenue is reinsurance? Yeah, it's it's darn close. I think my last year at Heritage on a billion of revenue, I think I spent 600 million on reinsurance, right? So it's expensive. So what you, you don't, do- You don't you, get that back. You don't get that no, back. No, it's gone. That's just a, that's a safety blanket, right? That's right. And you have to have it because when Irma comes through, you got to pay all the claim. But so what you would do, what's interesting about it is if you follow the numbers, and that's something I'm great at, you take the policies in October or November every year. It's right at the end or you know tail end of, of hurricane season. Nothing blowing in the water, so you know you're safe. And then you don't have to buy any reinsurance until June 1st. So you're literally getting a policy for seven or eight months with no reinsurance costs, no acquisition costs. The citizens already paid the agent commission, and so the profit margin in that eight month window massive, absolutely insane. And then on June 1st, when you got to buy reinsurance, things start to look more normal. Right. What do you see as the problem with this takeout program? What's the biggest issue? Kind of the one that's in my head is, you know, you're cherry picking the good policies, leaving the crap with citizens. So then that makes citizens rates even more higher because they're, they're stuck with all the bad business. But, but what do you see as like some issues with that? Yeah. So the rate thing is again, politics at play. And they cap the rate increase in Florida at 10%. So if citizens need 30%, you're only getting 10. And most years they get beat up a little bit by the politicians, they only take seven. And so as you look at citizens today, their prices are way under market. They're not sustainable for anybody, private market or them. And you know, that's a huge risk. And you're right, Brad. You go and you you're, you are underwriting and cherry picking the best policies, leaving kind of the worst ones there. But that's the way the market's supposed to work because it's the market of last resort. These are risks nobody wants. I mean, right. who wants a 120 year old house that hasn't been updated? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's got to have. They got to have insurance. So it's a good risk for citizens, not a good risk for us. Yeah. So that leads us to slide. Yeah. You are sitting at your desk playing paper football with yourself at your desk at Heritage, bored out of your mind. And I'm kidding, by the way. I know that. No, it's actually not that far off. (laughs) So you're like, listen, I got to go find something to do that gets the juices flowing. And how did you come up with slide? And how, how do you see that? I mean, I know you guys are, are in your infancy stage right now. Yeah. I haven't been around real long, but how do you kind of see this thing progressing and, and give us a little bit, give these agents a little, some nuggets here to talk about. Yeah. So when, when I was at Heritage last year, you know, they, the, I, I got to give credit to the board I and mean, they gave me one hell of a extension to stay. It just didn't excite me right? And I need something new. I want to innovate. I like to create things. I like to do things differently. And coming from old world insurance carrier, I can tell you that on the technology side, you know, we're, we're eons behind where we need to be as an industry. I don't know what it is about insurance, but it, it tends to be a round peg, round hole kind of business. And it's been done this way for 50, 100 years. It's got to continue to be done this way. And, you know, I thought about it and I said, well, I really want to innovate this business from the ground up all the way through every aspect of the company. And I wasn't really sure how to do it when I told them I was not coming back. 
but I spent the better part of a year working out that business plan. And it's, I was shocked at what I found out there in terms of artificial intelligence and underwriting and claims, and, you know, how you quote everything from how you quote a policy to how you pay a claim and buy reinsurance. You can innovate with technology now. And it's hard to take an old company with existing systems and make them a modern tech company. It's like pushing against a wall of water. You get nowhere except knock on your can. And I knew I had to do it from the ground up. And, and that's really what started me on the slide journey about a year ago. And so tell us what differentiates you from the other carriers out there that I'm sure you studied for yes. a year to determine taking the good stuff from this one and leaving the bad stuff from that one to get to where you are today. Yeah, the number of people say, they ask all the time, what's the first thing you did when you were putting slide together? You know, they're thinking I did something incredible. You know, I sat with data scientists or, or something. No, the first thing I did was I sat in an agent's office and said, let me see you quote policies. Yep. It's that basic. And what I saw was shocking. I cannot believe how much time and nonsense an agent has to go through to quote a policy. It's incredible. Some of these quotes were 30, 40 minutes long. And I'm thinking, how the hell are these companies even in business right now? We've got to modernize this. We've got to simplify this process. And you look at old school underwriting and all the questions that you have to ask and all the buckets and boxes that have to be checked. And I'm looking at these things and I'm saying, most of this stuff's totally irrelevant. I mean, who cares about 90% of it? It just really right. doesn't impact the risk. And so I, that was the very first thing I did. And so you're speaking our love language right now, by the way, keep yeah. going. We love this. <laughs> yeah. And that's the first thing I did was think about changing the user experience. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of agents. I'm not like these other insure techs that are all DTC and they're trying to put agents out of business. They're out of their mind. They don't know what they're doing. It's all about partnering with good agents and making their life easier. And if you're going to reinvent the insurance paradigm, you have to start with where the source of business comes from, agents. And so our process gets you through a quote in about two and a half minutes. And we pre-fill almost everything. Hey, if in Florida, we got to get these funky things called wind mitigation reports, right? To give you all these credits, right. four-point inspections, which everybody has. Most companies won't even let you buy the policy until you submit those things. We're different, right? Send it to us in 60 days. Yeah. You're, you're trying to run a business. You're trying to get a sale. Maybe you don't have that form right now. On a lot of this stuff, I can actually re-engineer the building codes in Florida. And I can give you all the wind mitigation credits going back 20 years. And I just give them to you automatically. You don't have to give me any. I know they're there. They're in the building code. You know, so it's a lot of things like that that we do to simplify, modernize the experience. And, you know, replacement cost estimation for us takes about five seconds. It's an address, select the finished quality, done. Right. right. And if you don't like it, you want to change it, change it. You know, if we have a big problem with it, we'll let you know. But odds are we're, we won't, right? Because agents aren't trying to un underinsure their risks. Right. They don't want the E&O exposure. Right. So, you know, everything that we've done at Slide, especially on the front end, was designed by agents for agents. Mm. And 
you know, that I think is you have to start change one step at a time. Start there because that's where your policies. Well, and what what happens too, and I've seen this in my agency is and, and other agencies as well, is team members who quote tend to default to the carriers that make it easier on them to quote, not necessarily consciously, subconsciously. You know what I mean? Like we've seen the carriers that make it easier. We've seen an exponential amount of of volume with those compared to other carriers. And that particular carrier that we're seeing the volume with, not necessarily more competitive than the other ones. And I had to come to Jesus. Everything with us is about how how do we make it easier on our customers? And in order for us to make it easier on our customers, our carriers need to make it easier on us. I had to come to Jesus meeting with a carrier, a newer carrier we have a week and a half ago. Their rater will not let you copy and paste fields into their rate into their forms. About right. <laughs> and yeah. and I said, I know this seems like a nitpicky issue, but when we're doing 50 quotes a day, like that time adds up. And what's gonna happen is we're just not gonna quote you. Right. Yeah. It, that's that's I it. Totally you know? agree with you. And, and that's something I've heard from agents over the last 10 years. They want an easy to use system. Every system out there that I saw was really clunky. So I created my own system. Right. And that's exactly right. You have to make this so easy. I need a name, an address, a date of birth. I don't really need much of anything else. And then the other thing that we do that I think is, is just, it's so obvious and sensical that nobody does it. Almost every agent I know goes in when they quote a policy, they're quoting almost the same default coverages. Yep. You want a 2% deductible on wind and 500 on AOP. You want 300K and like whatever your formula is as an agent, 90% of the time, it's the same formula. And then the other thing that I heard was a lot of times they'll have to go in and quote two or three times to show their customer two or three options. So I said, well, Geez, the easiest way to do this on your on your agency dashboard, log in. I'll give you three quotes on every product automatically. Tell me what the faults you want to see every single time. Mm-hmm. Give me a name, an address, a date of birth. Here's your three quotes exactly the way you want to see them. Right. That is a massive time saver. Absolutely. And if you want to customize it, you can customize it. Click a button. We'll email it right to your customer for you with your own message. Uh, you know, here are your three options and here's the difference between them. You're just right. trying to increase the efficiency of the agency operations. And you do that, you get big buy-in. Well, and what happens too, Bruce, is all these direct-to-consumer carriers, you know, I kind of, I go back and forth with the uh, the CEO of Ken on uh, Twitter because I like disagree, or not on Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn, because I disagree with like, I know 90% of what he's saying is BS, but, uh, and he's pandering to his investors and he's not paying, you know, he's not, Bradley, who are some of his investors? We can talk about that later. Anyway, like, like I, one, I one, thing on these, one. one thing these direct to consumer companies find out is that their customer acquisition cost is through the roof. Insane. You can't make it work. And right. not to mention, like, even like on Google, like mm-hmm. the word words around insurance is like the most highest pay per click you could possibly imagine. Absolutely. So the two ways you get low CAC and you get distribution is you either form some sort of joint venture with like a QuickBooks or a, a Zillow or something like that, where it's embedded in the process, or you, you sign up agents. 
And, you know, where traditional insurance has missed the boat on this on the other side is they're doing the agent thing, but it's not easy to quote bind an issue. So it slows the process up, which eventually is going to have a trickle up effect to the carriers. So if you compare efficiency with, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make the agent relationship work really, really well. I don't think you can lose. I really don't. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. You know, I, I hear these guys trashing agents all the time. And, you know, a good friend of mine and, and proud to say a supporter at Slide is a guy named Jim Massiello. And Jim was the founder, chairman, CEO of SIAA, which is the biggest independent agency network. He was a board member of mine at Heritage. And, you know, when, when you take the time to really learn how valuable the agent is in the process, you know, it's indispensable. And I see these guys all the time, the insure tech in the insure tech space, just trashing agents. You know, they're a dinosaur, just like the old world insurance companies are dinosaurs. What they don't understand, number one, is agents control the business. Let's just start there from a business standpoint. And then what they also don't understand is that the agent is servicing the policy. I mean, who do you think the call goes to first from, a, from an insured? It goes to their agent, right? Yep. They're vetting people. They're verifying information. They're making sure you're getting a good underwriting risk. And your point about CAC is right on. That's the one thing I told our investors from the, from the get-go is that the customer acquisition costs of some of these companies are just, I mean, they'll never make a profit as long as they're alive and we're alive. It's just never yeah. going to happen. All they're trying to do is build up policyholders. That way it looks good on paper for the investors whenever right. they exit or, or IPO or whatever. That's all it is. It's the first wave of insure tax. I put yeah. all of them in that bucket. And the first wave of insure tax, they, they're all formed by tech guys. And I'm sure they're incredibly brilliant people in their own, in their own right. They don't know anything about insurance. You know, they're learning that on the fly and they build their companies like a true tech company. It's direct to consumer. It's fast growth. Don't worry about loss ratios or CAC or anything else. And I've been saying it for years that you're going to see a crash in that first wave because at the end of the day, you have to be able to make money. There's, there's not an endless supply of money to prop them up. And if you can't outperform traditional P and C, then what's the value, right? I mean, who, who wants that? I'll just go buy Allstate. And, you know, so you, you look at that and the way they structured their companies is just wrong. And I know one company, and I won't mention them by name, but their, their CAC is about a buck 50 for every dollar of premium. Now that leaves no room for SGNA uh, claims and reinsurance let alone profit, they'll never, ever turn a profit. But if we create enough hoopla and we say enough things that are buzzy and controversial and, and our CEOs uh, active on Twitter and we get enough attention, more people invest in us. There's some truth to that, right? Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen anybody go to a pure CAC model works. And what I've been predicting the last couple of years, anyone that would, you know, Give me five seconds to pontificate about this topic because I'm passionate about it, is that they're all going to switch to an agency model, all of them. And we're seeing it. Lemonade's appointing agents. HIPAA has agents. Mm -hmm. uh, Metro Miles using agents. Geico right? has agents. Ken they're captive, agents. but they do. Right. Yeah. And, and I know from some friends of mine in the business that they're getting phone calls from 
some of these very insure techs who said, we'll never use agents, yet they're calling agents to try to get them appointed. And what they're finding is the door gets slammed in their face. Yeah. You can't take your entire business platform and model of denigrating agents and, and trying to put them out of business. And then when it doesn't work, go to them and say, hey, I'm so sorry. Will you help me out? Hey, by no the one's going to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if I've told this story on, uh, on this podcast. I know I told it on another podcast that I was a guest on. I pushed one of these founders of these insure techs. We save you 15% because we're not paying the agents 15. And I, and I kind of pushed back a little bit. I was like, well, why not agents? Like, why? Like, well, we're saving 50. I was like, no, what? Like, why would you not at least like, I'm okay. I mean, I, I, we have progressive, like we're a platinum agency with progressive and they also sell direct. Cons- like, I'm okay. If you want to try both, like, that's fine. Uh, but I'm like, why not try both? And, and finally he got real with me and he said, well, actually we really don't have the infrastructure to handle all the appointments. That's what it really is. <laughs> That's not good. And I'm like, That's well, that really makes, that good. makes sense. That makes sense when looking at like say hippo because forever, you know, hippo was direct to consumer mm-hmm. and then they never went, they, they didn't go from direct to consumer to straight working with agents. They went the MGA route. Right. So if there was like a two and a half year period where you could only get access to Hippo through an MGA, and then they now they're more direct, you know, direct appointments. So it it kind of it kind of something clicked in my head. I said, I wonder if some of these companies don't really don't have the infrastructure to handle all the agent appointments and manage them and carrier reps and questions and that sort of thing. So that's why they do that in between MGA route before they go full board direct appointments. Yeah, and I think they're they're super heavy on tech resources, yeah. programmers, engineers, things like because yeah. that's what they know. And what I have found as we've built out our systems and platforms is that actually I don't need a ton of those. I really don't. What I need are people that help me to sell the business, handle a claim. Let's let's do that the right way and be right, do the right mm-hmm. thing by people. You know, you made a promise to them when you took the premium. Live up to it. And you know, we're using so many automation tools now that the tech is is so easy. Everything's open source APIs now. It just the handshake between different tech platforms is easier now. You don't need an army of software engineers behind the scenes. You just don't. But you, you got to have people that are doing inside and outside sales that are liaisoning with, with the, the agents, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping them abreast of everything, underwriting appetite. I mean, some of those things are old world, but they continue forward because they're necessary. Right? You can't just scrap the entire model. You just want to improve the model. And the great thing is, as an entrepreneur that I like about agents, you take all of the altruistic issues to the side. I can model a business around a 15% customer acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. I know what my CAC is going to be. I only pay that CAC if I get the premium. And I can structure that in my rates. And I can build a business around it. It's certainty versus variable customer acquisition costs and excess of premium. Mm-hmm. It's a loser. Well, it's like I had a, uh, a VP, RVP from a carrier in my office a year or so ago. And I'm not going to say who it is, but it's a carrier that sells through the independent channel and also has captive agents. Yep. Put two and two together, listeners. And, and she told me, she said, we are very much uh, leaning towards the independent. They, they gave us an appointment that day. We did it from a strategic standpoint. That way, if someone goes to one of those captive agents, why would you do that when we have 
them as well and all of our other carriers. It was more of a chess move. Slide's technology is way better than theirs, I promise you. And I haven't even seen Slide. Anyway, she said, we're very much leaning towards independent agents. And I said, can I guess why? And she said, sure. And I said, because when a client walks into one of your captive agents' offices, by the way, I'm a husband of a captive agent. That model works. But when someone walks into their office, they are going to try to mold that account into something that fits with your carrier versus if they come to me and they don't, they're not the perfect client for you, I'm going to put them somewhere else, which leads to a lower loss ratio for you. It leads to a higher retention for you and an overall better customer experience and probably a longer client lifespan. And she said, bingo. And so that's the, the other thing with the CAC on the direct and consumer carriers is there's probably a decent amount of adverse selection as well, where you're getting a lot of crap business. You know, I have a crappy claims experience, therefore, or my, my roof is falling in. It's easier for me to trick this technology online than it is for me to trick this agent who can Google my house and say, wait a minute, that's not going to fit with this carrier. So you probably have a lot more of that too, than you would if you deal with an agent. That's a, you know, that's a really, really good point. And I totally agree with that because you got to understand that their business plans in the insurtech world, it's only growth. It's just growth. That's it. Grow, 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 grow. And there's no stop to it. So you'll take anything. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine who uh, was at pretty high up at national general. Now they're part of Allstate, but you know, they had a book of business and, they were trying to sell this book of business and it was, it was awful. I mean, horrible business. And they recognized it. They're like, we're getting off of this. Let's try to get some money out of it and sell it. The only bidder was, was one of the big insure tech we've already mentioned. And, you know, she told me, she said, Bruce, you know, I, I told them straight up, like, these are, this is a bad book. Are you sure you want it? And the response was, yeah, we'll take anything. As long as it increases the top line, we don't care. Wow. And so, you know, think about that, right? With that mentality, you don't care about adverse selection. No wonder you're running a hundred percent loss ratio. Was that the one that that got them access to all fifty states, so they didn't have to go do all the filings or something like that? Nah. No, no, it was this was just a, a standalone book of business. Gotcha. Yep. Hey, Bruce, you said something on that Forbes interview that I started flipping desk over in my office. I was so excited about, and and, and I'll add to it. You know, never. Not never since Jesus walked on earth, uh, has there ever been a client of an independent agent ever call and say, I didn't buy insurance from you, Scott. I bought it from travelers. That has never happened. Not one time ever in the history of the world. But you were talking about how at the end of the day, and this is something I've been preaching for four years. I don't care how people buy insurance, but at the end of the day, what everyone wants is a Scott Howell standing there holding their hand through a difficult claims process. That's right. And you mentioned that. You said, now you didn't mention the agents, but you said nothing else matters besides making sure we have the resources and the ability to take care of people when they're having their worst day. That's right. But before you answer, let me say this, because I've been on my soapbox about this for a while. What I have seen in the past year is it disturbs me that it seems as though a lot of blue blood carriers 
are treating claims more and more like a cost center, and we're going to get do everything we can to get out of paying claims when that is the only reason they are in business. That's exactly it. it. You have to put yourself in their shoes and understand why they bought that policy to begin with, to protect their number one asset in their life, right? For 99% of us, your home is your number one asset. And it's more than your number one asset. It's where your family lives. It's where memories are created. Right. It's your life revolves around that. And if you are not going to do right by the policyholder when they file a claim, you're going to have big problems. See, that that one person's going to go tell 20 people. Those 20 each tell 20. And yep. before you know it, you know, your reputation is mud. Right. And I, I took a different approach at Heritage. I started a construction company within Heritage called Contractors Alliance Network because I got sick and tired of seeing these contractors go out to the insured's house and rip them off. Right. And, you know, do shoddy work. And all they want is to get their life back. And so I started this construction company. I was shocked at the how receptive everybody was to it. You'd call on a claim on water. I was usually out there in two or three hours, suck up the water, dry out your house, make sure if you have any mold and mitigate it, put your house back together. I could replace your kitchen. I could build the whole house if I wanted to. And I did sometimes. But you took care of people because it's a daunting process when your life is disrupted by a claim. And that only happens about three to four percent of all policyholders. Right. Most people never file a claim. I bet you if you did a survey for a thousand people, you'd probably only get a handful of them who have ever filed an insurance. And you know, so you've got to be there. It's more than writing a check, it's having some empathy for their situation and doing everything you can to help them. And that's the that's why the repair division at Heritage to this day is one of the number one selling points for independent agents to their customers because of the track record of taking care of people. And we're going to do the same thing in slot. So today, and I'm just asking because I don't know the answer to this, but today slide, if I went and I wanted to, to get a quote through slide, what states are you guys in right now today? And then also from an expansion standpoint, what are you looking at from a timeline? Yeah. So today we write no business. We we are still in the licensing phase and getting the system set up. So we, we just closed a $105 million A round in December. And, you know, so we're still in our infancy. We will be this year launched in five states, Florida, South Carolina, New York, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. And then I think by the end of 2023, we're in all the Gulf Coast states and all the East Coast states. Whatever I have to do to get you to come to Alabama just a little bit earlier, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, we, we had a lot of success in Alabama. And yep. stick, I think we talked about this before, Brad, stick to the metro area. They tend to have more predictability on what's happening there. You yep. get some of those higher PC classes, it's a little more difficult. But yep. what we found is that people were, especially in Alabama, were very kind of honest people. They're not looking to gain the system. They're not. It's that Southern mentality. Yeah. And I, I know I'm a Yankee by birth, but I'm a Southerner now. I, I've been <laughs> south of Mason Dixon a long time. Good people. And those are the kind of people we want to ensure. And we'll be out there pretty quickly. And from a claims perspective, are you guys using in-house 
adjusters or are you guys going the route of the independent adjusters? We're doing a combo of both. We're, we have our own claims company. So we're, we're, we have our own 1099 roster of independent agents, right. but they're the cherry picked ones. The ones that we know have good people skills that I've worked with for 10 years. They write clean estimates. Everybody's happy. No fuss, right? You, the last thing you want to do is get a call from an insured saying, you guys sent this, this person out to my house and, you know, he was a first rate a-hole and he made my, this process 10 times worse for me. Can't have that. They're representing the insurance carrier. Right. So, you know, we, we're a little picky on that. So we'll have our own field staff. We'll have our own inside staff. I believe in doing everything yourself. Don't outsource anything. But we'll have to augment it with some independent adjusters. There's just no way you can you can get to all the claims. Can I put you on the spot for a second? Go for it. I've read a lot about you. You have a resume of success throughout your life, actually. What do you do when a blue blood carrier comes after you? When a <laughs> when a travelers, an auto owners, a nationwide, somebody yeah. comes to you and they say, we're about to make you an offer you can't refuse to be our CEO. What happens then? Nah, not interested in that. Number one, I don't want to work for anyone but myself. And that's, I think, something in my blood that resonates with agents, right? Because they're all entrepreneurs or business owners, et cetera. Uh, I'm not looking to make that jump. I'm having fun. I'm doing things differently. Uh, I'm innovating. And that's the spice of life, right? I get bored pretty easy. I, I've had like four career changes, you know, <laughs> and I turned 50 in, in about a week. You know, how many people have done four separate careers, right? Uh-huh. In their uh, adult life, right? Not many. Um, Not to mention I'm, the whole Enron thing and then going public, like it's beefed up four careers. That's right. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. But yeah, I wouldn't be looking to, to jump ship, Scott. I think I'm pretty happy where I am and uh, got good shareholders behind me and you know, we're, we're having a blast with this. What do you well, do for fun? Yeah. Start, start companies? Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm kind of a serial workaholic. I mean, this is my hobby and my passion. Outside of this, I love fishing. I can't wait. I, I treated myself to a new boat. So I have a new boat coming soon and should be here in about a week or so, just in time for the big 50 celebration. And you know, so I love being on the water. I love fishing. love my family time. I'm hands on with the kids. You know, we don't we don't outsource them out to nannies and that kind of stuff. We actually do stuff together all the time. Uh, it's fun, you know. So between family and work, there really isn't much left. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played a round of golf in like seven years, and just don't have time for it. You know, yeah, well, we, we find six hours on a Saturday. We all only have so much capacity, right? So That's right. How many hours a night? Do you have to sleep to be at your most productive? About four or five on, on average. Really? I'm usually, I, yeah, I'm, uh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not quite sure how I'm wired, but something's crossed. I'm usually up every day at about three, four o'clock in the morning and get my day going, right? Have a so, coffee, go through emails, come up with ideas, start the day. So if there's 24 hours in a day and you have to sleep for five, so that leaves you 19 hours yeah. to do whatever it is you're going to do. And I tell people all the time, if you want to work on your time management, you've got to go back and start with, okay, I've got 24 hours. 
And I've got to sleep to be at my most productive anywhere from five to nine. Some people are eight hours. Some people are seven. You're lucky that you're five. But then the first thing you back out is sleep. And now that only leaves you with 17, 18, 19 hours a day. That's right. It's tough. It's tough. And there's a lot to get done, but I'm, I'm really high energy. I'm like the energizer bunny. You know, when I get up, I'm up and I'm going at it. I'm firing off emails and I've learned to stop texting people that early because it just, just makes them <laughs> upset. You know, not everybody puts the snooze on when they go to sleep. You yeah. don't want to get a text from me at four in the morning. Bruce, don't you wish you could schedule text messages? And I know you can do that in like CRMs, but I meant like on your phone because I'll get up pretty early sometimes too, too early to text people. And I'm like, man, I wish I could just schedule this because I'm going to forget by the time eight o'clock rolls around. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I do is I type up the message. I just don't hit send and back yeah. out. And then when you go back into the message, it's already there. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a good point. That would be cool to say, have a delay send on this, right? Apple. Six o'clock. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll Bruce. tell you something about sleep, Scott. Yeah. So uh, I, have a, I have a new baby, Bruce. Uh, he's four months old. Uh, no sleep for you. No sleep. And he actually slept more last night than he has since he's been born. I think he only woke up three times. One of those times was because I was talking in my sleep and I woke him up, which really pissed my wife off, but he only woke up three times and I got more sleep last night than I have since September. And I'm more tired today than I was a couple of days ago when he woke up like eight times. Yeah. It's like, I got yeah. so conditioned yeah. to not sleeping good that I slept good last night and I've been groggy all day. Yeah. Yeah. That happens to me too. I, I had a day maybe a month or two ago. It was like a Saturday and kids were out wherever. And I don't know what happened, but I slept till like seven o'clock in the morning. I never do that ever. And I was so tired all day. I could mm-hmm. barely keep my eyes open too much sleep. Yeah. No, I was looking forward to getting back to four or five hours. Bruce, you strike me as a little bit of a visionary, a lot of a visionary. So Talk to these agents for just a minute that are listening to this podcast. If you and I got in a time capsule and we didn't come out of it for 10 years, so 2032, what do you think in 2032 will have changed in the insurance industry compared to where we are today? Yeah, I think this process on insurance is is going to be a fraction of where it is today. I think the entire underwriting process is going to be AI driven. It's all about big data. Data tells you everything. I like. I love numbers. I can just spend time in spreadsheets all day. I love it. And I always say, numbers don't lie. People do. All right. The numbers tell you the story. Numbers are what you're making your decision on in this business. And yeah, I really truly believe the future of insurance is automated underwriting, making life easier for the agents. Forget all. I mean, just think of all the dozens and dozens of questions that people ask. Kind of dog breed do you have? Do you have a trampoline? Do you have a treehouse? How many feet from a fire hydrant are you? It's all this nonsense that people ask all the time. I think all that stuff's gone. Yeah. I think it just comes down to you're going to have good artificial intelligence and machine learning. You plug in a name, you plug in an address, here's your policy. Yeah. And make it seamless and easy for the agent. And I think the whole process will be largely automated and i think claims too a lot of claims will be automated and that's one thing i challenge my team on what's your plan for automating claims right right gone are the days of paper checks nobody wants to do a check stock and printing yeah. them up and you know it's it's a it's a real administrative nightmare 
it should be as easy for a lot of claims. You file the claim, you, you run the numbers through whatever Xactimate or uh, Symbility. You get a number, you ACH it to their account, you're done. Right. And that's, you know, we're doing those things at Slide for a lot of claims. And we're definitely automating the front end. But I think that the insurance process moving forward is going to be a lot simpler, a lot faster, more accurate, less hassle. And machine driven. Machine driven. Do you feel like uh, blockchain and NFT smart contracts are going to play a role in the next 10 years? Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I got agents that stick in there, as Bradley says, sticking their fingers in their ears going, I don't want to hear about that. Well, bad news. You're going to hear about it. So I do believe it. Yeah. It's going to affect the industry in a positive way. I don't think it's going to be a negative way, but it's going to make, it's going to simplify. It's going to, you're going to be able to put claims and policies on, on the blockchain at some point in time that are going to, you know, going to be able to speed up things. It's just going to be, I think it's just going to make it easier for everybody. What's interesting is you have people who are considered visionaries, but are demonizing and and downplaying blockchain and web three and and crypto and all that kind of stuff, which is interesting. Yeah. Which is going to give way for more experts, you know? Right. But one thing I do think will still be around are agents. Yeah. And the reason for that is, you know, you go forward in time, 30 years, we're, we're still human. Right. We still want human interaction. We still want someone to help us go through this process. You're protecting your number one asset. That's not going to change. And there's that human interaction that I think is at the core of this industry. And I, I just don't see a world. I've heard people say, ah, agents won't be around in 20 years. I beg to differ. <laughs> you go talk to anybody out there, even the millennials. The millennials get confused by insurance. What do I need? Yeah. Why do I need it? How much is it? You got mortgage companies that require certain things, and it can be a complex and confusing process. And then when you get a claim, you, you really want someone that's there, your representative, saying, I got this. Yeah. I, I know they had a claim. I'll call them. I'll smooth it over. I'll take care of this. They they want that interaction. And I think we get lost too much in technology controls everything and forget that we're all humans at the end of the day. And part of our DNA is that human interaction and in pretty much everything that you do in your life. I mean, who's happier today working at home during COVID the last two years, not going out anywhere. You couldn't go to restaurants, nothing. Right. You're isolated. You're miserable. Why we we crave human interaction, and I think that's particularly true when you're protecting the number one asset that you own. Yeah, I would agree. I think the one thing that keeps agents in play long term is when someone has the worst day of their life, whether it's their home burning down, tornado blows the roof off, kids are having to get med flighted from the interstate because of an accident. I don't care how much technology you have. Nobody wants to call a call center in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, They want somebody's cell phone number that they can call and say, hey, I got a big problem. That's right. Big problem. That's right. I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, this is a service business at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and you have to be there to provide the service, both you as an agent and us as the carrier. Right. 
Bradley, you got anything else before we cut this thing off? Nope. I think it was great. One piece of advice you can give these agents out there that are, you know, in all different parts of their career. Some have just started. Some have been are in the five-year club. Some are in the 10. Some are in the 20. What's one piece of advice you could give them from a very, very successful business owner? You have to stay hungry every day. You got to wake up every day with fire in your belly. You mentioned at the start of this podcast, new year, you got to get at it, right? Yep. And you you have to have that. And if you don't, somebody else will, and they're the ones who are going to get the spoils. Correct. Um, I think as, as agency owners and entrepreneurs, and you have staff to take care of, family to take care of, you got to wake up every day and be passionate about what you're doing. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you should probably find another profession. Yeah. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful ending. Guys, listen to what this man's saying. He has been very successful in his career and he's about to uh, embark on a, already has embarked on a journey that I think is going to be very successful. And by, by the way, before I end this, for agents who are interested in getting maybe pre-qualified or at least getting yeah. their names on a list of potential agencies that may get contracts with, with Slide, what, what would they need to do to do that? Yeah, you can contact us through our website, www.slideinsurance.com. Uh, we have a general email box for inquiries for agents. Go there, click, send us a message. Um, we're launching Florida first, I think South Carolina second, Northeast will be the third rollout later this year. But the Florida market's huge. There's a lot of agents here. And let me tell you, they need capacity. Yes, badly. Definitely. Badly. We're happy to help, right? Guys, as I always end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. <laughs> Let me say this. For each one of you out there today, th your book is being written. Okay? My book is being written. Bradley's, Bruce's, all of our books are being written. What is that book going to be about when it's all said and done at the end of the day? Go out today. Make money for your family. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world, build relationships, build a great team that can help you reach the goals and have the freedom and live the life that you want and you deserve to live. Go out and do that. Make money for your family, make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. I'll come back anytime you want. Door is wide open. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you, and thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we look forward to seeing you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.